1: some things that you can look forward to in 2018 and uh, you can get excited about. A lot of first for us here at Journey Church in 2018, especially this Thursday. This Thursday, we've got first Thursday. And this is something that we're doing the first Thursday of every month. And it's a worship experience. It's a little different than Sundays. We got a little extended worship time. We got some extended prayer time. We're going to take Holy Communion together as a church. And so it's a very special worship experience that's got a, a different audience in mind. But if you're looking to go deeper, um, then I want to encourage you. It's going to be at Calvary Church in Orlando. We're going to do it every first Thursday of the month. What a great way to get your new year uh, started. I uh, also want to let you know about a sermon series that's kicking off next Sunday called First. I'll tell you there's a lot of firsts, and so uh, it's gonna be a great time. Uh, it's gonna be a sermon series that's uh, focused on helping you uh, put everything in order, because I know that in 2018 you're gonna have a lot of dreams, a lot of hopes, a lot of plans, um, a lot of uh, just things you want to accomplish. And we want to help you uh, figure out what to put first, what to put second, and how to kind of you know set it up for success and so I think that's, you're going to enjoy that. And then finally, probably the thing that I'm most excited about uh, is going to take place January 8th through January 28th. And you've heard uh, Rebecca on the screen talk about it in Journey News. And that is our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah, one person was excited for that. And there's a reason. And there's a reason for that. And I know, I know when I say 21 days of prayer, everybody's like, yeah, and then it's on 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, that's not for me. Um, I love food, and, uh, and, and that's, that's my life, and that's where I live. And, and I just really want to encourage you today. Um, I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but you really you, you, you ought to. And, uh, and I think fasting is one of the most powerful things that you can do uh, in your life, and I'm hoping to convince you of that uh, in this, today's message. And so uh, you need to, need to, need to consider joining us on this fast. You're going to learn everything there is to know about a fast today. Uh, You're going to be encouraged to do it, and I'm really praying that God's going to change your life through this, because here's the deal. In 14 hours—I did the math—in 14 hours, in 13 hours and 57 minutes— Uh, The clock is going to turn to 12.01, and for for 30 days, you're going to be excited because you're going to say, 2018, woo, new year, new me, woo, I'm going to be different, and I'm going to grow, and that's awesome, but in 60 days, it's going to be February, and in 90 days, it's going to be March, and then what will happen, because it happens every year, is that the passion begins to wane, and the fire begins to die, and then somewhere around April, you're like, you know what? 2018 is a wash. We're going to just give up on 2018. 2019, that's my year, 2019. That's my year. And I just want to tell you what you probably already know. A new year doesn't automatically mean a new you because a change in your calendar does not equal a change in your character. You know what I'm saying? They don't don't line up. And if you want a new you, it's not about a new year. You got to decide to live a new way. And that is the title of the message that I want to share with you today a new way. And until you decide, to attackle, uh, that was the combination of the word attack and tackle. A tackle. until you decide to attackle uh, uh, this new year in a new way. The new you will never stay. Come on, my rhyme game is strong. My rhyme game is strong. That's what I do all week, y'all. Just my rhyme stuff. I'll say it one more time. Until you decide to attackle this new year in a new way, the new you will never stay. And uh, and I think that was the issue that the disciples were facing in Mark chapter nine. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If not, it'll be on the screen. And uh, you were handed a, 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 a note guide today. Come on, uh, a lot of people know, some don't. Before I was a pastor, I was a university professor taught at a college. And, uh, and so every once in a while, I like to go back to my teaching roots. So we're actually taking notes today in church. Is that all right? Can I do some teach preaching today? I hope this blesses your life. And so you're going to have to fill in the blanks here. Okay. And so I think the first one was the title It's a New Way. We made it easy for you guys. Okay. A New Way. Uh, But we're going to go read in Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 18. Just some background information. Um, The disciples are huddled around with a father, a son, and some religious teachers. And uh, they're all frustrated because they're trying to help this father. He has a son who is sick. He's struggling with a sickness, and and, uh, the religious teachers can't help. The disciples can't help, and when all else fails, uh, the, the father decides to, you know what? Everyone else failed, so let me try Jesus, which FYI, you can save a lot of time when you make God your first choice and not your last resort. Oftentimes, we make him the last resort in our life. When all else fails, when medicine fails, when therapy fails, uh, then we go to God. Try going to God first and then try all those other stuff. I think you'll see a marked difference in the, in the product and in the result. And so that's what happens. They go to Jesus. Jesus, of course, fixes it all. But, but here it is, Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 18. Then one of the crowd, that's the father, answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should, somebody say should, that they should cast it out, but they could not, somebody say could. Have you ever lived in between a should and a could? It's a very frustrating place to live. I mean, in between knowing that you should do something and then realizing that you could not do the thing that you knew that you should do. I'm thinking about the rich young ruler who asked Jesus, Jesus, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you, you, ought to follow, you should follow the Ten Commandments. He said, I already do that. He said, awesome. Now, here's what you should do. You should sell all your possessions and follow me. And that was that he said, you should sell everything. You should sell your furniture. You should sell your clothes. You should sell your stock. You should sell your Bitcoin. You should sell all that you have and come follow me. And the young man was really upset. He turned around disappointed. He could not do it because he had so much money, even though he knew he should. I'm talking to the the person who feels like they should be further along in their career. I'm talking to the young entrepreneur who started their business, but their business isn't taking off like like they know that it should, and they're frustrated because they got this potential inside of them. They know that they should be doing more, but they just can't seem to experience what they believe is inside of them. I'm talking to the young person who came to church today who's a Christian but is still struggling with an addiction that nobody knows about, and they're frustrated because they believe in Jesus, and they should be free right now. But for some reason, they can't seem to find that freedom. I'm talking to the parent who, who, who brought their kid to church every day of their life, who taught them good morals. But right now, their kid is going crazy. And they're thinking, I don't get it. I did everything I was supposed to do. My son or daughter should be living right right now. But they're not. I'm talking to the person who has set their goal in January of 2017. Now, I should do all these things. And now it's December. And you're like, I could not do all these things. And here's the problem: if you live between the should and the could long enough, you begin to lose hope that you ever will. And so and that's what happens here in this scenario. I don't know if you noticed, but it wasn't the disciples who called out to Jesus when they saw Jesus, it was the Father. Because I think the disciples had lost hope. You see, right before this was the, the, the Mount of Transfiguration. And long story short, Jesus was away for three days. And so, three days without Jesus, they're trying to fix this boy. They can't fix this boy. And here's what I'm thinking the disciples are starting to believe you know what? Maybe this is just the way this kid's always going to be. He even takes another step. He goes, maybe this is just God's will, but not the Father. Not the father, and and you know why not the father? You only know that if you are a father. All the fathers in the house, raise your hand if you are a father. Yeah, because listen, you can take a father, and you can put that father in a a hospital, and a doctor can sit down with that father and say, hey, there's a 99.9% probability your son's going to die. You know what that father's going to tell the doctor? So you're telling me there's a chance. That's what he's going to tell because father never gives up on their children. And so here's what I want you to capture. The disciples are frustrated with their failure and they're convinced this is God's will. And the, But the father, he's still got hope. He's desperate. He's saying it's not that this is God's will. He's saying there's got to be another way. And God told me that there would be people here today at church who have given up hope on their dreams, who have given up hope on their children, who have given up hope on their parents, who have given up hope on their marriages, who have given up hope on their finances. And God's telling you, it's not that it's my will, it's that I want to show it to you my way. It's not that I don't have this plan for you, it's that you got to change the approach. And if you change the approach, if you try a new way, I think and I believe you're going to experience a new season in your life. It's not that it's God's will. It's not about God's will right here. I think God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to prosper you. I believe God wants to heal you. I believe, I know that God's got your best interest in his heart. All things, the Bible says, work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So I know he's got good things for you. It's not about his will. Don't question that. It's about his way. And are we doing it his way? And that's what Jesus did. Jesus went about it another way. Mark chapter 9, verse 25 through 26 When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. Mark chapter 9, verse 28, and when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Can you hear the frustration and the shame and the tone of their voice? They're ashamed, first off, because they're disciples of Jesus, and they're not able to do something that they know that they should be able to do. But they're also frustrated. But they're ashamed. That's why they asked them in private. They didn't want to, like, you know, people around, why couldn't we do it? They got them alone. They're like, why couldn't we do it? And they're frustrated. Why are they frustrated? Here's why I believe they're frustrated. Because they were disciples. And what does that mean? That means that WWJD, you know, the what would Jesus do, it was more than a bracelet for them. It was a lifestyle. Everything Jesus did, they did, and we have biblical records of them casting out demons and devils before, and so they look to Jesus, and they're saying, Jesus, I don't get it. I did what you did. <laughs> you, ever, you, ever, you, ever get, you ever live like in that moment, like someone else graduated with the same degree you graduated with, like they started their business the same way you started it, like they eat just what the same thing you eat, but like they're finding success, and they're losing weight, but you're not, and you're like, I don't understand. I did everything you did. How come it's working for you, and it's not working for me? And they're frustrated, and Jesus' answer to them is this. You, you, you think you're doing everything I'm doing, but you're actually not doing one thing that I'm doing. What is the one thing that Jesus was doing that the disciples were not? Mark chapter 9, verse 29. He answered, there is no way, somebody say no way, to get rid of this kind of, we could kill the haze if you got a button for it. We don't need any more glory in this place. The glory is already here. <laughs> there is no way, somebody say no way. To get rid of this kind of demon, except, I just want to pause right there, except, here's what God told me to tell you, there are some people who are in a situation you feel like there's no way out of. Here's what I love about Jesus, when you face a no way situation, he always finds another way. Jesus will always find another way when you're faced with a no way. There's no way this person's going to ever make a decision to follow Christ. There's no way my son will ever, there's no way I'll ever make that much money. There's no way I'll ever get married. There's no way I'll ever stay married. There's no way. Jesus will always provide another way when you feel like there's no way. I love it. And here's what he says. There's no way to get rid of this demon except by prayer, and say it with me, fasting. And fasting. Now, here's the interesting thing um, about this passage. Depending on the version that you read, Fasting is in some versions of the Bible, and the word fasting is in some other versions of the Bible. And the reason why you find two different renditions of this verse is not because there's necessarily a discrepancy, but because some of the older manuscripts have it, and some of the, and some of the other manuscripts don't. And so depending on what version you read, you'll find it, and some you won't. Here's why a lot of theologians believe that fasting is in the original version, is what Jesus said, because had Jesus just said, those demons can only be cast out by prayer, it would have been confusing. Because the disciples did pray. We have record of the disciples praying. And so to just say it would just be prayer, it wouldn't have made sense in the context of the disciples' lifestyle. Although the disciples prayed, there was one thing the disciples didn't do. And guess what that is? The disciples did not fast. Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 2, and Luke chapter 5 all tell us that the disciples did not practice fasting. In fact, one of the Pharisees kind of got into it with Jesus because they said, how come we fast and John's disciples fast, but your disciples don't fast. And Jesus said to the Pharisee, he said, they don't need to fast because I'm here. And here's what he said, but when I leave, they will fast. The problem is he left and we're not fasting. And now we're facing problems that we should have the power to overcome, but we don't because we're living life just with Jesus's teaching. But Jesus's teaching was not meant to be exercised apart from Jesus's power. And there are a lot of problems in your life you can overcome with Jesus' is teaching, but there are a lot of problems in life that you can't overcome unless you have the Holy Spirit's power. I'm just telling you, you can't always outsmart the devil. Sometimes you just got to punch him in the teeth. You know what I'm saying? I love the Bible, and I believe there's a Bible verse for everything, but sometimes there's not a Bible verse for everything. And in those moments, it's in the name of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, who rose from the dead. Get out. Sometimes you got to punch the devil in the face. And you need power to do that. Listen, we have a real, we are in a real spiritual war here. and You might not know that. I know, I know we, we, some church can sometimes be a lot about, you know, just practical things and and, and good ways of living. But I got to be honest, I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't let you know about this spiritual world that we live in and this spiritual war that we are a part of. There is a real devil with real demons who hates you who hates you, and he is out to steal, kill, and destroy you, and unless you fight him with the right weapons. Here's the best part. The victory is already yours, but unless you fight that battle with the right weapons, you cannot find victory. You got to find the right tool. I brought this up here to kind of make my point. You know what this is? This is a set of Allen keys. One day, my my sink was on the fritz. It wasn't working, and uh, and so so I I needed an Allen key to fix it because I just needed to tighten it. That's all I needed to do, just tighten it, man. And so I went to Home Depot at Lowe's. I went to Lowe's, and I bought a, one of these. I figured, you know, there's 16 of them there. Surely this is it. I came home. It wasn't the right one. This was in millimeters, and I needed something in 16ths. So I went back, and I, and I, and I bought a second one. And I came back, and, and I thought it was in 16ths, but it was actually in 32s. And, 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 I, and after two trips coming back and forth, back and forth, I went back to Lowe's. I said, sir, how many of these do you have? He said, four. I said, I'll take them all. I bought all four. I came back and I finally found the key that unlocked it and started to work. Here's what I'm trying to say. There are some of you who are experiencing problems that are having you go back and forth, back and forth. And you think that your problem is impossible because you haven't been able to solve it. You haven't been able to fix it. It's not that it's impossible. It's that you've been using the wrong tools. You got spiritual sockets and you need spiritual keys to unlock the spiritual socket to work in the turn. And until you get the right tool. Until you get the right tool, it's just not going to work for you. If you had brought this boy to a doctor in 2017 or 2018, they would have assigned him medication. They would have given him a doctor and a therapist, and all of that is good. If you struggle with depression, you need to see a professional. You take medicine. Talk to a therapist and pray and fast. Do it all. You know why? Because this issue was a spiritual issue, and there is a spiritual element to every challenge you face. There is a spiritual element to every challenge you face, and unless you face it spiritually, head up a new way with the right key, it will not open. It will not unlock. And the spiritual keys, the spiritual wrenches, the spiritual tools that God wants to put into your toolbox in 2018 is prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. And so I'm going to do my best to convince you to go without food, okay? I know this isn't easy, and so I'm going to preach my guts out, but I want to give you six reasons why you should consider joining this fast with us, with our church family, with our leadership, with our staff, six reasons why you should consider fasting. Number one, God is calling you deeper. That's the blank. God is calling you deeper. Hey, you're driving on the highway, you smell fresh bread in the bakery, you're coming down uh, the stairs in the morning, and you hear the bacon crackling in the pan, and what happens? Your senses begin to send a message to your brain. You are hungry, go get food. You are hungry, go get food. I want you to know that every once in a while, there is a sixth sense that will awaken inside of you. It's a spiritual sixth sense. It's a sense that's inside your soul. It doesn't awaken at the sound of bacon. Or it doesn't awaken at the smell of fresh bread. But oftentimes it'll awaken in nature when you're staring at a sunset and your soul begins to speak to you and says, there's more. Oftentimes it'll awaken in a new season of life, like a new job or you just found out you were pregnant. Oftentimes it'll awaken um, in, a new, in a new challenge or, a, or, or suffering, like somebody you know just passes away and something awakens inside of you. I got to get closer. I got to get deeper. Um, maybe maybe uh, you find out that you're sick, like terminally ill, and something awakens inside of you. And, uh, and that's God. That's God speaking to your soul. Come to me. I want more of you. Uh, we have a member who goes to our church. He's the president of the NFL Alumni Association here in Central Florida. And he came over to my house for coffee this week. And we were talk- talking and chatting. And he, and he was telling me, I was telling him about the fast. And he was so excited. He said, man, before you even told me, because he, he, uh, he had a surgery recently on his knee, and he wasn't able to work. He'd been out of job for a year, and now he's got three job offers. He didn't know which one to take. He said, man, before you said anything, I already felt God whispering in me, go on a fast, go on a fast. He would, he would identify with David. David said in Psalms chapter 27, verse 8, look what he said. My heart has heard you say, David said to God. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming, Lord, I'm coming. Come on, one of the main reasons to fast is you can hear the voice of God speaking into your soul. Come with me. Come with me. I want to talk to you. I want to show you things. I want to take you to the next level. I'm calling you deeper. People always get mad at me when I talk about fast, and they think it's because I'm unbiblical. But they, they, I know the reason why they're mad is because they're hungry. That's really why they're mad at me. And this is what they always tell me: They go, "Do well, it." You know, that fasting is not a requirement in the Bible. It's not a requirement, I'm not going to do it in the Bible. That's not a requirement. And so, since fasting is not a requirement, you can't make me fast. Really, is that your motivation for doing everything? A requirement? Because you know what else isn't a requirement? Wiping your rear after you use the restroom but you should you probably should i'm just saying i don't mean to be vulgar i don't mean to be dirty i'm just saying you do a lot of stuff you don't have to do but you do it because it's in your best interest it's true that fasting is not a requirement it's an invitation it's an invitation to know god in a brand new way it's an invitation to live in a new way it's an invitation to experience life air breath in a new way it's an invitation not a requirement you're right and if I were you, I'd take God up on the invitation. Number two, fasting creates compassion, sensitivity, and alignment with God's heart. Do you, ever, do you ever find yourself struggling with selfishness or coldness? Like there are people suffering around you, and you should feel bad for them, but you don't. Like you're at somebody's funeral, but instead of paying respects, you're, like, you're on your social media feed. And then in that feed, you find out that 23 people died in a bombing, and then like you, just, you just flip past it to like the cat meme. I'm, just, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I just want to keep us all aware that that's not normal and that we have a problem, that we are become self-centered people who care only about us, and if it doesn't impact us or affect us, we shut off. Here's what fasting does. It melts that. It makes you sensitive to the heart of God because for a brief moment, you step in to the suffering that's happening around you in the world. Did you know that every five seconds, a child dies of starvation in this world? Every five seconds. Seconds, I did the math for you. That's 3.1 million children who will die this year just because they don't eat. And when you fast for a brief window, you step into that suffering. You become sensitive because here's what fasting does fasting is a denial of yourself. And when you deny yourself, when you take yourself out of first place, God takes first place and here's the crazy thing about what happens when God takes first place when God takes first place he kicks you out of second place and then puts people in second place Jesus said it like this the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God but the second is like it love your neighbor as you love yourself he said if you would deny yourself here's what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 58 verse 6 through 9 this is the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is this, sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill clad, being available to your own families. You know what's gonna happen when you fast? You're gonna have more time for your children because you're not eating as much. And because you're not watching TV as much, it's a crazy thing. When I when I when I'm fasting, I'm actually playing with my kids. When I'm fasting, and they love they love to go on fast. They don't even notice that the television's off in our home. We fast the television. They don't even know the television's off because they're having such a great time with their dad. And so you get to be available. So it warms your heart. It melts the coldness on your heart. So if you've been feeling cold lately, try joining this fast with us. Number three, fasting breaks bondages so you can experience freedom. Somebody say freedom. Oh man. We read this earlier in Mark chapter 9, verse 21 through 22. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Look at the father's answer from childhood. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. You know what I noticed in that passage that you maybe, maybe you didn't pick up on, but he didn't say it always throws him into fire or water to kill him. It says it often throws him into fire or water to kill him. You know what that means? That means that often he was normal. That, that sometimes he would be normal. That sometimes he'd walk around with no seizures. Sometimes he'd just be chilling, just living life. And I bet during those times he was thinking to himself, maybe I'm getting better. Maybe I'm experiencing some progress. Maybe i got this. Maybe I finally kicked this. And just when he thought he had found his freedom, boom, it would seize on him again. And the worst part about it is that it's been like that since his childhood. And I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who can relate. Who's been wrestling with something since their childhood. And you make progress and you make progress and you make progress and you start to think, oh, I think I got this. I think I finally kicked that bad habit. I think I finally kicked that bad mindset. I think I finally kicked that bad attitude. I think I can finally walk past a bar and not sweat. I think I can finally uh, smell the smell of smoke and not and not want a cigarette. I think I can finally overcome what's going on in my and then, boom, out of nowhere, a relapse. Boom, out of nowhere. Man, just when I thought that I was experiencing freedom, boom, this came back on me. I don't know if you can relate, but I know that I can. Here's Jesus' answer to that, because Jesus has an answer to that, and I love it. Look what it says in Mark chapter 9, verse 25, because that's your pattern, free, enslaved, free, enslaved, joyful, suicidal, joyful, suicidal, pure, not pure, pure, not pure. And you're just living in that. Here's what Jesus says. When Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him. And enter him, say it. No more. He didn't just say, get out. He said, and don't you come back. You know what I'm saying? You need to like channel your inner Ray Charles at the devil sometimes. And you need to be like, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back. No more, no more, no more, no more. No more addiction. No more bondage. No more depression. No more suicidal thoughts. No more adultery. No more fornication. No more pornography. No more drugs. I'm tired of going back and forth. It's time to live new. No more, no more, no more, no more. Don't you come back. Ray Charles, y'all. It's good. Georgia. Come on. Anyway, um, You don't have to live with that anymore. No more, Jesus said, through fasting and prayer. Number four, fasting brings joy and helps outweigh emotional and negative attitudes, if you're filling in the blanks. Fasting brings joy and helps outweigh emotional and negative attitudes. Are you struggling with depression this morning? Are you facing general sadness this morning? I want you to know that God has a solution for that. The prophet Elijah, right after slaying 450 prophets of Baal, He's on the top of his mountain. He's, he's set into a depression by a 120-pound woman and a letter. Queen Jezebel sends him a letter that says, hey, I know you killed my prophets, but I want you to know that before the sun sets, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And Elijah goes into a depression. He even tells the Lord, you know what? Just take me. I'm the only, I'm only, a, I'm the only prophet left. Just take me. It's over. He begins to, to entertain the ideas of suicide. And so he says, you know what? I need to go on a fast. He goes on a 40-day fast, Elijah does. And at the end of the fast, he realized, you know what? I don't just got a problem. It's not that I got a problem. It's that I got no friends. And God says, yeah, I'm going to send you Elisha. And you know what? The rest is history. The rest is history. I'll never forget um, one day when a, when a mother came into my office as a youth pastor with her son. He was 16, maybe 15 at the time. He said, hey, my son just, just told me that sometimes he thinks about taking his life. And I said, well, I'm glad you know because my first step would have been to notify you. Um, you probably, he probably should also seek a counselor, talk to a counselor at his school, or, or set him up with a therapist, and I said, but you know what I'd love to do with your son, and, and we, I was talking to him at that point, I said, man, w- would you want to go on a 21-day fast with me? It was right about this time in January, and he said, yeah, absolutely, and so he, I'll never forget what he fasted, he fasted uh, candy bars, soda, and video games, that was his fast, 21 days, he said, I'm going to give up soda, I'm going to give up candy bars, and I'm going to give up video games for 21 days. 21 days later, you would not have recognized this young man. And guess what he's doing today? He's actually a youth leader at his church right now, preaching the gospel to young people, encouraging them to get through the same problems and issues that he got through when he was was younger. Fasting works. If you're struggling with your joy, fasting works. It It can help get your eyes on Jesus. It can help fill you with the passion that you've been missing. Number five, fasting gives guidance and direction for big decisions in life. Fasting gives guidance and direction for big decisions in life. After 30 years of being Jesus the carpenter, our Savior realizes that he's going to have to now spend the next three years being Jesus the Christ. He understands that he's going to enter a new season of his life. You know what he does to prepare for that new season? He goes on a fast. Moses, after coming out of the Red Sea, it, would have been, it must have been a trip to be Moses, man, because God never gave him the whole plan. He only gave it to him piece by piece. You know how scary that is? Like you, you just drowned an Egyptian army. You just come out of the Red Sea. You got maybe a million people behind you. You're like, oh, we did it. And while everybody is celebrating, you're freaking out. Because you're thinking to yourself, now where do we go? But you're smiling the whole time because you don't want anyone else to catch on that you have no idea what's happening. So they, the Bible says they arrive at Mount Sinai. He goes up into the mountain and begins a fast. And God gives him the law, which is their next step. If you're getting ready for a new season in life, maybe a, a new job or maybe you're pregnant or, or maybe you're moving or you've just moved or you're just getting into a relationship and you need God's guidance for that fast, God will give you the direction and guidance that you need. And finally, number six, fasting as a petition to ask for God's healing and physical protection. In the Bible, Daniel fasted and there were, it was him, he was the kind of like the test study and then there was everybody else who ate as much as they wanted to. And the Bible says that after Daniel's fast, he was healthier than everyone else who ate more than, who ate as much as they, as they wanted. Um, we know that Queen Esther, in the face of the very first Holocaust ever, the first Holocaust was not Hitler and the Nazis. The first Holocaust was Haman and, and the Persian government. And uh, they were going to kill all the Jews in all of the territories. And Queen Esther calls a fast, and God protects every single one. Not a life is lost uh, Ezra, when he's about to reestablish the kingdom of Jerusalem, he'd been in bondage for 70 years in Babylon. He, uh, he, he begins to, uh, he asks the king for gold and silver. And so they, they sent him hundreds of pounds of gold and silver. But the only problem is that gold and silver is going to have to be transported through through enemy territory, through bandits, and not, not one dime, not one penny is lost. Are you getting ready for a big trip? Are you preparing for a surgery? Do you have family members that live far away? Maybe a family member who's in the military that you want to ask God's protection over. Do you want to ask God's healing or health over fast? Fasting, uh, fasting will, will petition God's protection and health on your behalf. So hopefully I've convinced you I'm going to get super practical right now um, because in about a week, uh, in about a week, we're going to jump on this fast. And and, and I I did this sermon strategically this this Sunday because in the past, I've preached this on the day before we went on the fast. And then it's like, we're going on the fast tomorrow. And everybody's like, I'm not ready. And so I'm giving you a week to pray about it. I'm giving you a week to plan. I'm giving you a week to think about it, to talk to your family because I really do. It's going to change your life. I believe it's going to change your life, but I want to make it practical for you. So I want to give you some, some quick, I'm going to tell you how to prepare for your fast, the different types of fast that there are, and then what to do while you're fasting, okay? Very first thing you want to do, how to prepare for your fast, if you're taking notes, have a reward or a goal in mind. Write that down. Have a reward or a goal in mind. You should be fasting for something. Have something in your mind. Why? Because you want a paper trail of God's goodness, when he does that thing in your life 21 days later or maybe a year later, you want to look back and say, it was because I prayed. It was because I fasted. It was because I brought it to the Lord. But number two, and it's just as important, even though that you have something on your list, even though you're asking God to fulfill or meet a need or direction or health or, or whatever it is you're asking him for during these 21 days, make sure that you ask and do not demand. Ask and do not demand. That's the second blank there. Why? Because fasting is not about you getting what you've always wanted out of God. It's about God getting what he's always wanted out of you. That's why in the Old Testament, they wouldn't just fast. They would fast and they would put on sackcloth and they would put ashes on their head because it was also a sign of humility. In other words, it's saying, not my will, God, but your will be done. I would like to see this happen in my life, but really, I just want whatever you want in my life to happen. And so we're asking, we're not demanding, and finally, you have to choose the type of fast you want to be on. You want to choose the type of fast you want to be on, and there are a ton of fasts in the in the Bible, but, but we can really minimize or kind of group them into four major types of fast that you can choose uh, in a week. Uh, and I'm gonna kind of give you an order from like, in my opinion, what's hardest to the easiest. First is the complete fast, okay? The complete fast is when you're fasting, you're fasting all types of food. Fasting all types of food, you just got water and juice, just water and juice, that's all you got. Uh, for 21 days. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm going to die if I just on water. And you, you're not going to, it's going to feel like you're going to die, but you're not going to die. Um, science has proven, uh, and there's a great documentaries on it. You can live up to 40 days with just just water. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that, okay? If, if that's not the only fast we have. As um, a matter of fact, if you're new to fasting, I wouldn't recommend that. You might want to start with something else. But it is one way too fast. No food, just water and light juices for 21 days. You will not die, okay? Trust me. Um, number two, uh, we have a selective fast. And a selective fast, you might also know this, one of the selective fasts that many people choose to go on in the new year is a Daniel's fast. And a selective fast is when you're saying, I'm going to give up certain parts of my diet for 21 days. And so an example of that would be the Daniel's fast, where we give up um, meat, uh, we give up bread, and we give up dairy and sweets for 21 days. And so essentially a diet of fruit and vegetables. So you're vegan, you know, for 21 days. By the way, this is a great fast. Um, if you still like eating. This is a terrible fast if you already are a vegan. Come on, somebody. Don't try to rig the system. But I'm talking about a 21-day fast. I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables. What do you normally eat? Fruits and vegetables. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, stop it. All right? So, so, so maybe, maybe it's not just fruits and vegetables. Maybe you pick the elements. No red meat, no coffee. You choose the items in the diet that you're going to stay away from for 21 days. Third, uh, we have a partial fast, also known as the Jewish fast. And uh, this fast is you're saying I'm going to eat for a certain part of the day and then I'm not going to eat for another part of the day. So I'm going to eat from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. but from 3 p.m. on I'm not going to eat. Or if you want to make it simple so you don't have to look at the clock. I'm not going to eat when the sun is up. But as soon as the sun goes down, I'm heading to Golden Corral and that's going to be a family to eat. And I'm going to say, maybe you want to do that. It's, it's, I'm not going to eat in sun up, but I'll, I'll eat at sundown. And you can, as much as you want at sundown, that's, a, that's another way. And, and this final way of fasting is what I recommend for someone who's never fasted before but wants the experience. It's what we call a soul fast. And it's identifying elements of your life that are out of proportion and putting them back into proportion. So that would be, for an example, maybe you're really into TV. And you're really into social media. So you're saying for 21 days I want to be off television. I wanna be off social media. Maybe you got certain types of music that have really been affecting your heart. For 21 days, I'm gonna cut off that type of music. I'm gonna stay away from television. Whatever it is, you choose, but it's it's for your soul, it's a cleansing for your soul to get your or your priorities right back into order, okay? And so there's four types of fast. You can choose which one you wanna go on. I'm gonna give you a week to pray about it, and then you decide, okay? And finally, here are the five things you can do while on your fast. I'll show you, we're going to get super practical today. Five things you can do while on your fast. Because cause I was that guy who went 21 days fasting with no television. And then I sat on my couch like, what is life right now? What, what do we do right now? I don't understand. This is usually when I say, I don't know what to do. And so i want to give you five things that you can do. And where am I getting this from? Now, I'm not making this up off the top of my head. I'm reading from the book of Nehemiah chapter 9, Okay. And guess what uh, is happening in Nehemiah chapter 9? Um, it's, it's a holiday called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah for the Jewish people. Guess what that is? That's the Jewish New Year. And so they just come out of captivity. They're just getting ready to get their life started. And they're looking for a new way. It didn't work out the other way. They made idols. They went to serve other gods. Their history was a train wreck. And they're deciding corporately, it's time to go about this a new way. And so what are we going to do? Bible says that Ezra gets up, he calls, a Nehemiah gets up, he calls a fast. So we're going to start our new year right. We're going to call a fast. And when they fast, they do five things, okay? I'm going to hit it. Uh, it's in Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. You can read it on your own. Promise me, I promise you they're all there. They did these five things. The first thing they did was they assembled with other believers. Here's what you do while you're on your fast. Come to church. And don't just come to church on Sunday. Come to church on Wednesday. During a 21-day fast, we're going to have prayer on Wednesdays. At Rollins, uh, at Rollins College, the chapel there. Come. You need to get around good people. You need some support when you face the occasional Mac attack. You know what I'm talking about? Okay? When you start to dream about food, and you will dream about food. It's the craziest thing. You will dream about food. You will smell food where there is no food. Okay? You're just going to see visions of burgers dancing in your brain. I've been there, and I'm telling you, I just want to prepare you, and you need to have somebody. I would, I would encourage you to even find an accountability partner somebody you can meet with once a week so you can share what God's doing in the journey that you're going on. That's number one, assemble. Again, this is all found in Nehemiah 9. Number two, you want to separate from negative influences. Separate from negative influences, okay? Separate. What does that mean? Don't go on a fast for 21 days and then binge watch your favorite show on Netflix. You got to separate. This is a holy time that you're setting aside for God. What makes Sunday special is not that it's Sunday. Some people go to church on Saturdays. In fact, the original Sabbath was Saturday. It's not the day of the week that makes it special. It's the fact that it's set apart. So if you want this fast to be special, you got to set it apart. It can't look like normal life for 21 days. And so so don't go on a Netflix binge, but not eat food, okay? (laughs) Just separate. Separate from some of the influences in your life that'll draw your attention away from God. Number three, repent of attitudes or behaviors that draw you away from God. Repent from attitudes and behaviors that draw you away from God. Repent. Um, When I first did this fast, when I was a youth pastor, um, and it was the first time we ever did it with our church, I had one young guy come up to me. He said, Pastor, Pastor, I know what I'm going to fast for 21 days. I said, what? He said, marijuana. (laughs) True story. He said, I'm going to give up marijuana for 21 days. I was like, you do that, man. You go right ahead, awesome, all power to you. You give it up for 21 days. <laughs> he was like, but this is 21 days. And I was like, all right, man, for 21 days, see what God can do. 21 days later, never picked it up again. God did something powerful in his life. Maybe there's some behavior, some attitude, some habits that you're telling God, give him 21 days. Turn from him. See what he does with the rest of your life. Number four, read the Bible. That sounds simple enough. Read the Bible. Ephesians 5.26 tells us that we are washed in the Word. Washed in the Word. Washed in the word. Have you ever had a stain that was stubborn to get out? There's some mindsets that are also stubborn. We need to wash ourselves in God's word so that He can cleanse us of those mindsets in these 21 days. You gotta get the right mindset, you gotta get the right influences going into your mind. So you want to read the word. That's what Nehemiah did. They spent a the quarter of the day reading the Bible when they fasted. Quarter of the day reading the Bible. And the other quarter of the day, they spent doing this. Nehemiah, I'll read Nehemiah 9:3 so you can catch it. And they spent another quarter of the day worshiping the Lord their God. Here's the blank, the last blank. Worship God. What does worship mean? I know that for a lot of us we have a limited definition of this word and it's powerful. It's way more than singing songs. It's way more than doing show us your glory. It's way more than that. That's awesome. But it's way more than that. You know what worship is? I'm going to simplify it for you. It's a big comp. It's a big idea but I'm going to simplify it for you. Here's what worship is. Giving God your time and God being on your mind. We think about a lot in the course of a day. Am I right? In the course of a minute. In the course of a minute, you can think about your job, your relationships, your health. And some of you right now are really trying to pay attention to me, but you're also thinking about what you're going to go eat after this is over. Like, And I don't hold it against you. It's the human nature, right? Here's what we're saying for 21 days. I'm going to make an intentional effort to put God on my mind. I'm going to be thinking about him when I wake up. I want to be thinking about him when I go to sleep. I want to make him a priority in my life. And so maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and you can hear the voice of God telling you, come deeper. Come deeper. If that's you, I want to invite you to come on this fast with us. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray with you right now. Here's what I want you to tell God in your own words and in your own way. Three words. Tell him. Speak to me. In your own words and in your own way, tell, tell God, Speak to me. This fast is something you want me to jump on. Speak to me. If, if, if you want me to take my relationship deeper with you, speak to, speak to me. Speak to me. Speak to me. Father God, I pray that you begin to speak to Journey Church today. I begin to speak to every, every man, woman, young, young adult, every teenager. We need spiritual tools. We need a new way. We can't face 2018 problems the same way we faced it in 2017. We need a new way. Those tools of prayer and fasting, you're gonna speak to our hearts right now if you want us to go into this journey with you. We'll submit. Come on, tell them, I'll do what you want me to do, God. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what you want me to do. God, I pray right now for every every person who's contemplating this decision that you would give them peace, that you give them rest, that you give them clarity on exactly how you want them to fast and your plan for that fast, God. That you show them the next step, and that you lead them in these 21 days, that we're gonna start... Not tomorrow, but next Monday, January eighth, God, that it would be 21 days that absolutely transforms their life from the inside. Uh, in Jesus' name, Amen. Hey, look at me. I wanted to make it really easy for you, so on the other side of your note guide, we created a prayer, a prayer guide for you. It's just a way for you to keep track. Here's what you can do on that. You can write down the the, the first and foremost. Why are you fasting? If you didn't get one of these, you can get them out there in the lobby. Why are you fasting? Why are you fasting? What type of fast will you do? You get to name somebody who's going to be your accountability partner during this time. And there's also a calendar that has the first day of the fast and the last day of the fast on it, and you can mark it. I really want to make it as simple as possible for you. I invite you again to go on this journey with us. I really do believe these 21 days are going to change your life. And maybe there's other people here who, maybe it's not a fast, but you hear God calling you deeper because you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you were invited to church today by a friend or a family member. Church is not something really that you do often. But even as I'm speaking, you hear the voice of God. It's like a whisper. It's not an audible voice. But it's something in your heart saying, hey, I want more of you. Hey, I want to start a relationship with you. Hey, I want to, I want to be new. I, I want you to be new. Come deeper, come deeper. If that's you this morning and you've never made a decision to follow Christ before or you did years ago, but something's changed since then and you want to get a fresh start, I want to give you a moment of privacy. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes one final time. Bow your heads and close your eyes one final time. If that's you this afternoon and you want to give God a chance, He's calling you deeper. You've never really began an authentic relationship with Him. Or, like I said, you, you had it one time in your life, but you haven't recently. And this is your chance to, to come home. Will you come home today? If that's you, we, we ask everyone to bow their heads for, for a private moment. So I'm going to invite you on on the count of three. If that's you, to lift up your right hand as a sim, as a signal as a symbol of a fresh start in your life, as your admission that it, I tried it my way and it didn't work, and so God now I'm going to try it your way. If that's you on three, I want you to lift your right hand, saying, "I want Jesus in my heart," all over this building. One, two. Forget about who's around you. Forget about what they think. Forget about who you came to church with today. Holy Spirit's whispering to you. Try it my way. Try it my way. Try it my way. Come on. Give me a chance in 2018. If that's you, on three, raise your right hand. One, two, three. Right now, all over this place, lift up your right hand. Come on. I see your hand. Come on. I see that hand. Come on. Raise it high. Don't be ashamed. I see that hand. 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 If you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. in church, why don't you help us pray this prayer? Ready? On three. One, two, three. Father God, today, I come to you. I want to try This life, a new way. I tried it my way, and I'm empty. Today, I decide to try it your way. And your way is Jesus Christ. Tell him, Jesus, I receive you into my heart. I want to start new. I want to start new. I want to start new today. Before the clock starts 12. I want to be new today. Jesus, live in my heart. Give me a new beginning. I give you my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for it look like seven or eight people made a decision to follow Christ today. Amen, amen,
0: amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.